With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, the Utes destroy the UCLA Bruins, and we're joined by Bryant Conger from Wildcat Radio and the 12-Pack Radio to help break down the Arizona Wildcats. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's up, you nation? And Scott. What up? So Utah, as I say, gets the beat down over UCLA 49-3. to That was a Fun game, really fun game. <laughs> that was that was absolutely hilarious to watch. And normally, when there's been blowouts, they kind of can get a little old, especially in that fourth quarter. I was excited; like there was so much entertainment from the beginning to the end. Just just a fun night, a great atmosphere. Utah fans were a little late, but they filled the stadium. It was a great environment. Fun game. Yeah, I was I was a little uh, I was a little disappointed getting to the game. There's 15 minutes left on the clock, and there's like 12 people in the stands. <laughs> it did it did fill in, but uh, it was it was a little slow doing so. But great great crowd, great environment, uh, and then just I mean, obviously the U's put it on an absolute show, which just made it so entertaining. I mean, it was it was a beatdown, big time beatdown, and you know, anytime you can watch. Chip Kelly meltdown on the sideline. <laughs> it's just a, it's a good day. Um, and I mean, I think we'll get into it, but I, I, all weekend long, I keep thinking about how Whittingham has mastered the substitution rule. And these guys come in like they play in tag at recess and they tag their guy and he just trots off. And all of a sudden, there's one second on the play clock and they got to burn a timeout. I mean, he burned. Three timeouts in the third quarter. Chip, Chip was so irate with that. <laughs> and, you know, it was just hilarious because it was like, we are literally, there's going to be no hustle to get off this field. We're just <laughs> no. going lack to of, lackadaisical, meander to that sideline. I mean, it was it was comical what the defense was doing to this UCLA offense. And, and uh, Darian Thomas Robinson, you know, or as we should call him, hyphen, it uh <laughs> he was he was I mean he had his moments where he looked okay and and he's got pretty good speed. I mean he if we could have had four or five more sacks if he wasn't able to get out of the pocket so quickly, but he, some of those plays what was he thinking? I mean uh, the safety blitz where Blackman forces the fumble and Tafua takes it sixty some odd yards. Where was he going? First of all, he was running backwards. He was like he 20, ran backwards every time he got pressure. He was twenty yards behind the line of scrimmage when the fumble happened. Where does he think he's going? <laughs> and the and, and the and other the, one with on the, the at the sideline. I mean, they're they're in field goal range and the game. It's still early. 
And all he has to do is throw it away and they kick a field goal. And instead, he throws it right back in the middle of the field for a pick. It just And it's crazy to think he's a two-year starter. Well, he's coached by Chip <laughs> Kelly. That explains a lot. And you know what? How sweet is it where Chip Kelly, when he was at Oregon, would absolutely just hammer teams, just annihilate them, embarrass them, up-tempo. And how sweet is it to do that to Chip Kelly? Fantastic. It just felt it felt sweet. It was a fun game. I mean, there's there's people who have done a lot less that have been thrown in Turkish prisons. <laughs> I mean, they absolutely destroyed UCLA and embarrassed them. Brant Keithy, did you see the moves that he was putting on those guys? We out athlete. How do you say that? Out out athletic. <laughs> We're gonna make up words like Kyle Whittingham in his press conference. We were, we look like the far superior athletic team compared to UCLA, who recruits extremely well. I mean, it was it was it was an absolute drubbing. But but if you listen to DTR after the game, their their focus wasn't in the right spot. I mean, they were looking ahead to the Pac-12 championship yeah, they were game. Smelling the roses. Well, what? Why? You're four and five. What were you smelling? <laughs> Those aren't roses, my friend. <laughs> Unbelievable! The just the, the ego that is with everything UCLA. Chip Kelly, his ego is ridiculous, and it's obviously it's been at UCLA. It's not just because of Chip. It's been at UCLA for how many years? Which is why they are what they are. You know, and I, I had a friend tell me we were at the game, so uh, we were obviously couldn't see this. Like the guys that are home watching it on TV, but I had a friend tell me that in the beginning of the game. DTR was just running his mouth at the Utah bench and the Utah football. I saw that on Twitter. And, People were talking about that, and obviously that came back to uh, to bite him, which is which is good. Early on in that game, whenever UCLA made any type of play, they were touting themselves, patting themselves on the back, celebrating pretty hard until about the the game got out of reach there in that second quarter. But uh, it. To their credit, they they moved the ball pretty well in the first one and a half quarters. Uh, well, they they killed us on third down. Well, the, Absolutely killed us, which which was brutal. Which is, I mean, our defense hasn't done that on third down all season long, which was a little strange. But uh, but it all evened out at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean they 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 were able to move the ball at times during that game. They just couldn't uh, put it in the end zone. And uh, they had their they had some chances from pretty close range <laughs> early on in that game. So I think that is one thing I, I think we need to discuss is so UCLA goes ten of nineteen on third downs, where we had been. Utah really has good. been very good at getting off the field, but to UCLA's credit, uh, before the game they were converting third downs about forty three percent of the time. Well, and what made it impressive is they weren't third and ones. They were oftentimes third and eights, third and tens. I mean, they were long, long distances. That and a couple of those were him scrambling to pick that up, which is obviously something that they build into their, their scheme because of his athletic ability. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they lost contain on him a few times and then just 
left guy. It seemed like they were leaving guys wide open in the secondary for a little bit. Yeah, well, or especially early on in that game, which is what we talked about last week on the podcast, is Utah's probably going to come out pretty slow, like they've done a number of games this season, and and then they just put the clamps on. You saw it at Washington. You saw it again. Um, you saw it at Cal. You saw it again this week against UCLA. A little slow out of the gates. Hold, held them to that first field goal, and then nothing from there. I mean, especially when the offense or our damn punter loses his mind and runs for the or tries for the first down and gives them excellent field position, they still didn't get anything out of it. Oh, Winningham was so mad after that. He was he was really mad at the time of the game. But did you hear his comments after? I bet he was swearing in an Aussie. <laughs> I'm sure he was. But man, after he which which is typical wit style, he puts the blame on him and the the coaching staff and didn't blame the kid. Um, you know, said stuff like it's it's built into the scheme and if he sees something he's he's told he has the ability to 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 run the ball and but, obviously he saw something that didn't work out, but I think there's there's gotta be places on the field where you say, Hey, don't do it here. Under, Even if you circumstance, yeah. do not do it. Yo freshman. <laughs> Don't do it deep in our own territory. Plus, he doesn't look like he's overly fast. Well, he's not even a good kicker. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he 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 punts more ground balls than the Atlanta Braves hit. <laughs> Luckily for Utah, punting and field goal kicking hasn't really been an issue as far as as winning games. Right? If the games were a lot closer, a lot tighter, I think we'd all be a little bit more nervous about it. But they do kind of need to stir that up. Well, and it'll be interesting to see. Granted, this kid's a freshman and expectations. I mean, how many schools in the country have high expectations for their punter? Utah, maybe a few other schools. It's it's not, I mean, you're just lucky to fill the position half the time. <laughs> With the scholarship player. With the scholarship player. So, I mean, he's kind of coming in behind the eight ball with lofty expectations with replacing two Ray Guy award winners. And uh, being that he's a true freshman, you know, give him some time and he may be able to uh, to kind of get get into form and, and produce a little bit better, at least more consistently. But that's assuming he has a position next year. I mean, who knows if they bring somebody else in and give him some competition and because you really you don't look at him he hasn't even really had a stretch where you're thinking okay he's coming together no i mean every everything punts freaking all over the place he looked like me punting at our tailgate party <laughs> before the game why is he running to the short side of the field too <laughs> different aussie rules i don't know coach shaw i'm sure coach shaw got a nice chew over some of those special team blunders. Yeah, and uh, in film review and meetings, coaches' meetings this morning, he's probably like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> so let's really look at this defensive performance by Utah. We usually start on offense, but let's start on defense. They only allowed 50 rushing yards for the game for UCLA. And I I want to say at halftime... That'll help bring our average from 56 to 52. <laughs> I believe at halftime, UCLA had 63 rushing yards. They did. So they rushed for negative yards. <laughs> I can't even say that straight well, face. It helps when your quarterback half. runs away from the safety. Backwards. 
But as much as yeah, we 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 talked about how you know UCLA was able to convert ten third ten of nineteen on third down. That performance by the defense was phenomenal. You have the the strip sack run back for a touchdown by Mika Tafua and. What a, that was and just Terrell a, Burgess almost had another one too. That was just an awesome play all around. Not only does Blackman get the sack coming from the safety blitz, but he escorts Tafua into the end zone. <laughs> well, and Francis Bernard takes out about two of their offensive linemen right at the start. He just lines up and just plows into both of them and frees, basically frees Tafua up the, the entire way. But it, it's crazy to think about Blackman was has been a corner his whole career. And when he made that move, I never once even thought about his ability to on the blitz from that position. And he's been phenomenal all season. <laughs> the funny thing about that is he 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 sprinted about thirty five yards. He was deep from the safety spot, and then he ran deep to get the quarterback. <laughs> I think he ran about forty yards from start to finish. <laughs> But they, but the defense comes away with with five takeaways. They had DTR on the run all game, and it, it's crazy because when the game started, UCLA really marched down. They got the field goal. I think maybe a lot of fans were like, "Oh, maybe this game's going to be a little bit closer." Um, but to what you said, Scott, they really Utah almost just like toys with offenses. They let them kind of do what they want in the first drive. Scally kind of figures out what they're going to do, and then he just game plans around that the rest of the game and completely shuts down an offense. And watching this game, I firmly believe Utah should be in a playoff. If they if they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, because they are destroying teams. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're not hanging on for, for close victories against mediocre teams, and as a result, they're, you know, only have one loss on the season. They're, they're absolutely destroying teams but they're getting they're still getting better 10 games into the season and and i don't think we've peaked yet they're continually getting better and better week in and week out i mean you look at it i mean since since that usc game offensively and defensively just a completely different mindset from uh, from both sides of the ball i mean and if you look at it since that game the Utes have outscored their opponents 228 to 54 let me say that again, 228 points to 54 in conference play. That is unbelievable. That is crazy. How is that not college football playoff worthy? They're decimating these guys. Well, on top of that, they haven't allowed a touchdown at home in 15 quarters. It's it's unbelievable what this, this defense... I mean, we... As a, as a fan base, we have high expectations for the defense year in and year out. And they've exceeded these high expectations this year. It is insane what they're doing. Well, and it's crazy if you really look at it about all the question marks that they had. Everyone knew their defensive line was going to be really good. But then you're replacing your linebacking group. People didn't quite know what you're going to have there. And then Manny Bowen leaves. And you gave him even more question marks with what's going on at linebacker. And then the secondary no one really knew how Julian Blackman was going to perform at a new position. So they're going to have a new starting corner. You're having two new starting safeties. The way that this team has come together is phenomenal. And it's crazy when you see 
the offense and defense celebrate each other's successes on the field. It's it's amazing to watch really how tight this team is, and they say it's a brotherhood. You can really see it on the field. You saw late in the game with Devonta Henry Cole, who we learned after the game lost his grandfather. So tough week for him, and he gets in and 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 makes that great uh, that great run for the end zone in that fourth quarter, and he was mobbed. I mean, that's that's the cool thing about this team. And that was actually one of the cool, cool moments of that game when there were so many other things that really could overshadow something, almost a pointless touchdown late in the fourth quarter of a blowout, that that's how the team responds to to a backup. I mean, this isn't the star player on the team. This is a backup that everybody rallied around and just went crazy in support for him after a tough week. And Kyle said it. It's 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 been well documented that this team they're just there's there's something else, you know, and that and that really gives you a lot of confidence with kind of where things are at and and what's ahead of them. That they've got their head on straight. They, I mean, you, you look at the coaching, you look at the talent level, but I think the mindset of this that that mindset is what made Urban Meyer so special. Psychology of a team, getting them to believe week in and week out, and have that 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 correct mindset going in, and I think Whittingham's done a terrific job with that. And uh, you know he he loves the chip on the shoulder. I mean they they played that walk on, Fernea kids comments about who's the tougher team, literally before they walked out on the field. <laughs> oh, whatever helps your team win. I mean. It uh, doesn't matter how little, it, you know, I mean, at this point, he knows how to get those guys motivated, what works and what doesn't. And well, no, But that's the key. It's it's something so so little and pointless, and he makes it a big deal to get his team to believe and to get them to come play with a chip on their shoulder. I mean, you, you have to believe those comments kind of helped in the difference of the game. Well, and those they had something to prove to that UCLA yeah, team. Yeah, and but as little as that was, that is in my mind excellent coaching because at this point of the year, it, as good as Utah is, they're at a point right now where they're playing significantly significantly inferior talent. And in some cases, it's hard to get motivated for. I mean, if you know all you have to do is walk out on that field and you're and you're you are the better team. Sometimes you get beat. We, we know that better than anybody. Since we've joined the Pac-12, we've lost some real stinker teams with a lot on the line. But and he's finding as little as that is finding a walk-on guy making a comment to motivate his team because he knows what's on the line. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with them in the discussion of the playoffs and being one of the teams that's on the outside looking in. And then I think also USC winning as much as I hate it, I think it actually helps. There's no room for error. I mean, obviously it helps Utah's resume in that aspect, but to that point, there's no room for error. And I think every time USC wins, granted they only have one more game, but you know, every time they win, that kind of keeps that pressure on the Utah team. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. And, uh, you know, as much as we as a fan base would like to have a little breathing room between USC in the event we do stumble, you know, I think I think 
these guys have got to keep the pedal to the metal and have no have no ability to kind of step back and take something for granted. And with this leadership and with what's on the line and with how talented they are, you know, I just don't see it. Whittingham Whittingham talks about it. He focuses on one game. He doesn't care about the playoffs because he knows if they don't win, playoffs don't mean anything. So all they got to do is focus one game at a time, and I think you're going to see that next week against Arizona. It's what we saw, obviously, this last week and the beatdown that was that. So it was, you know, I, I don't think you're going to – I don't have that nervousness or fear of us blowing a Pac-12 after dark game at this point in the season. As we continue to kind of break down this game and really where this program is right now, you know, Utah is on a historical run to the Pac-12 championship game. Now, I know a lot of things still have to go in their way, but tickets to that game and possibly to a Rose or playoff, they're going to be at a premium. So what you want to do is download the Vivid Seats app. They're the top source for tickets no matter what you're looking at, whether it's a football game, a concert, any sort of event, Vivid Seats is where you want to go. If you download their app, you're going to be entered into their loyalty program, and you can start earning rewards instantly. Right now, we're running a promo with Vivid Seats. When you download their app and it's your first purchase, enter promo code OVERTIME, and you'll receive a discount up to $100. Not only can you get a discount up to $100 using that promo code OVERTIME, but you know every time you make a purchase, it's backed 100% buyer guarantee. So download the app and join the Vivid Seats Reward Program loyalty today. As we look at the Utah offense right now, obviously Zach Moss gets a, a lot of love, but Tyler Huntley has just been phenomenal oh, this season. Oh, we're good. It's, it's Tyler time. Scott and his... How's that statue-making statue, <laughs> statue making of Huntley? We're just going to be serenaded as we talk about Tyler. Let's go. Does your Four. wife know of your love affair? She does if she listens to the podcast. <laughs> Honey, do you listen to the podcast? I, yes. <laughs> I, I can't even with you anymore. <laughs> Tyler Huntley, 14 of 18, 335 yards, two touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. He's starting to get a little talk for the Heisman. I know it's a, it's going to be a long shot. Huntley for Heisman. It came out they, over the weekend. They finally <laughs> started the PR. It's about time. A little late in the game, but why not? But to your point, 14 of 18. 14 completions for 335 yards. Unbelievable. Thanks to Nakua and Keithy. And Zach Moss. I mean, it was... But even, but even though, I mean, we threw out those guys... A lot of those balls that he threw were amazing. Where he had to th- uh, thread it between two guys to a Keithy catch. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't just like Moss and 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 Keithy and and Nakua did everything because I mean they had a phenomenal game. But Huntley's throws were just amazing. Brian Thompson had only one catch, but it was a great catch in route across deep in route across the middle to sustain a drive. It, and all these guys, even if they only make one catch a game, they're all contributing, whether it's making a catch, a touchdown, blocking downfield for the running game. I mean, this is just a total team effort. The pass this isn't going to be talked about, but was the sexiest pass of the night 
was Tyler scrambling to his right, stops on a dime, and throws a laser back across his body to a, def- a wide receiver who is blanketed, and he hits him in literally the only place he could have put it. Is and from where we were sitting in the north end zone, you just had this perfect view. Yeah, it was a great. I view. mean, it was it was it was incredible. It wasn't a touchdown. It was only, I believe, like a 12-yard completion, but it was it, that's a next-level throw. It was, he he made a comment after the game that he was probably going to get some flack from his coaching staff for throwing it back across his body across the field, but but at, at this point of the season he's having. Let him do it. <laughs> I, I think the thing that I've, I've really enjoyed watching Tyler this season is he's not so much throwing it to open receivers, but he's throwing it to open spots. He he can see when his receiver's going to cut, when that's going to be open, and he, he just... I mean, that's when you want to see that next level of a quarterback, right? They can go through a progression, they can see the defense, they can read the defense, and they know where they put the ball on that spot is going to be a wide-open receiver, and he throws it even before the receiver's open. It's just, it's been phenomenal. And, and he didn't even need to do that when he targeted Keithy the entire game because UCLA couldn't guard him. Keithy had a great game, five receptions for 132 yards. He hurdled a guy. That, I mean, that was, I, mean, I love the, I love his effort, but man, those hurdles scare me. There's, <laughs> I mean, he could have broken his collarbone the way he landed on that. It just, He's he's tur- he's turned into an absolute stud and a complete mismatch for the defense to guard. Oh yeah, sa- I mean he that move he put on was a safety. That wasn't a linebacker. That open field move he put on that Keithy put on. Yeah, that was against a safety, and the guy didn't even touch him. He he'd still be running in two hand touch. I think the spin move on the sideline was against the same defender. <laughs> Bad night for I mean and and that's what I kind of alluded to early in the game. We are out-athleting a lot of these teams. Little old Utah. Yeah. You want some pack, You want some college football playoff? Let's go! Are, are you done with your sculpture yet? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm still working on it, but we're, we are making progress. <laughs> Trying to decide how big of a ring I'm going to put on that finger of his... <laughs> Not not in, not that kind of ring, like a big old Rose Bowl <laughs> ring, Pac-12 ring. What did you think we were thinking of? Uh, Beyonce put a ring on it. Come on, Tyler, put a ring on it. <laughs> uh, so if there's one negative, we have to talk about the offense. Uh, Utah does have another turnover, and oh. really just like a turnover that shouldn't even happen. It, it's someone sneezed again, and it blew out of his hand. It, it's Nick picking. But it's those little things that can cost a game. And we've seen it cost games in the past. Luckily, the, this team is is good enough to overcome things like that. But at some point, stupid stuff like that will come back and bite you. I mean, as, uh, say we make the playoffs. That stuff isn't going to fly if you're playing LSU or Georgia or Ohio State. That's going to bite you in the butt. And you can't and, do that against Oregon. Which is, for now on, until things change, they will now be referred to as the Hallandale duo. <laughs> until he comes out and totally redeems himself. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 
Simpkins, man, he's he's started over fifty games as a wide receiver, which is in some ways pretty unheard of for for, for the Utah wide receiving core. He's been here through thick and thin. He's 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 done a lot. He's had some big games, but he's just not making all that big of an impact at the wide receiver position this year. Bad drops, fumbles. We we just need more out of him. Tyler Huntley and Moss need uh, need need that trio back, but uh, man, he's got to he's got to stop with these fumbles. This fumbleitis is ridiculous. And it's again, it's kind of weird because the last couple of games there's been a lot of fluky turnovers. Um, and I think every week I'm always saying, "Oh, they need to clean that up," and then it doesn't really matter because Utah blows out teams. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about it with with Arizona or even Colorado up. Uh, but you can't do that against Oregon if 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 that's the Pac-12 championship um, game. You you can't do that. And then whether it's the Rose or the playoff, you, you can't do that against that type of competition. Yeah, I, I turned to both of you when when or maybe you just turned to Scott. Maybe you would stepped away no, or I'm something. A, I'm an afterthought. And I, and this is not a slight on Wit because Wit's a fantastic coach. But I just remember back in the the Urban Meyer era, if a guy. Like if a play like that happens and a guy fumbles the ball in the open field, he doesn't see the field again in that game. Happened to Marty Johnson. No, I mean Urban literally sacrificed players on the sideline for fumbles like that. <laughs> Granted, they they held Simpkins out for for a play. Uh, for, no, it was more than <laughs> no, that. No, he was literally in a, no like on third down in the next series. Yeah, he wasn't out very long. <laughs> Wit's Whit, going soft. Wit's going soft. <laughs> he's he's too ply. All right, so that'll kind of do our thoughts uh, for the Utah-UCLA game. We'd love to, to hear what you have to say. Um, hear what you have to say about the game. And you can always hit us up on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. Now looking ahead to this week's game, Utah faces Arizona Wildcats. Arizona's coming into this game at 4-6 and six on the year. You know, they're still – they're battling – uh, for uh, to become bowl eligible, they just played Oregon. The Pac-12 didn't give that many favors. Having to play Oregon, which they lost thirty-four to six, and then having to play Utah right after that. I don't know if someone's going to be at Arizona much longer. To be honest, no, they're they're a disaster. And with all due respect to our friends uh, down in Arizona, that's one bad football team. <laughs> I mean, they they've got two conference wins on the season. And it's against UCLA and Colorado. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> and the UCLA game was twenty to seventeen, Colorado thirty-five to thirty. So I and, mean, close games. And and they're when, teams. do you know when their last win was? It was uh, Colorado, October fifth. We are we are recording this on November eighteenth. It's a that's, long time, my friends. It's a struggle. Five straight losses for Arizona, and some of those are not even close. Uh, and, and they fired their defensive coordinator in Yates. Yeah, that didn't help. No, it, trying to rebuild something. I, I mean, it all kind of started with their loss against Hawaii at the, to start the season. They and, just, and their loss against BYU the year before to start the season. And uh, it, it's just crazy. I mean, it was just a little over a year ago that Tate was a. Uh, 
hiding hopeful. hopeful. Yeah, I mean, which which I'm sorry, it's strange. That I was don't, ridiculous. I don't think I agreed with it at the time, but but just to compare, to say where the where the national media at some point had him and that program and where they are now is is crazy. Well, you know what they need? They need a little Rich Rod back in their life. They need a little psycho on the sideline. <laughs> and maybe that's what it has to come, is they have to kind of get some Sumlin's guys in there. I don't know if he's going to be Does there. Does he have and guys? I just don't know if he's going to be in there long enough. I It was a very... I, I would just say, it was. A, I, I thought it was a bad hire from the get-go. I'm interested to get Brian's opinion on really how you know he's handling the quarterback position between Tate, um, between uh, this Grant Gunnell, Gunnell, I don't know however you pronounce it, no hyphen. Um, but these guys are both being used, and they're they're not a similar type quarterback. Obviously, Khalil really excels on on, on in the run game. Grant Gunnell's got nine yards rushing on the season. So he's more he's more of your just traditional passer. Well, which is crazy though. I mean, you got two different styles of quarterbacks and you're playing both of them that completely changes I mean, in my mind it completely changes the way the offense has to think and play depending on who's behind center. Which is exactly why they have five straight <laughs> losses. And I think, six staring them in the face. I think a lot of it has to do with with injury with Tate. Um I know he hasn't been 100% all season, but but to your point, how how can you really have an identity of an offense when they're just so polar opposite of, of what you want at the quarterback position? Uh, it, I, Khalil Tate is very interesting, I think, because what you talked about, Ryan, how he electrified college football with his running ability and been able to scramble. And then since then, they I don't know, and we'll talk to Brian about this too, was he trying to be a, a pocket passer and not play in his game? I think. Well, I think someone when he came in a year ago tried to make him a pocket passer, and I don't think that's his game. And I think that may have been the downfall of his, well, both of their careers for that matter. But uh, it, it obviously just hasn't worked out, and he's not. He's not a. He's not a pocket guy. You can just. You just know by watching him play. So if Utah wants to come away with this victory, what do you guys think? Let's let's start with Utah's defense. What do you think Utah's def- defense has to do against a Khalil Tate in offense? If if Tate plays, it, which I'm sure, which I assume he will, the key is to contain him and not let him go off on the ground because he's not going to beat you in the air. No, I mean, well, he's got 1,600 yards passing on the season, 331 rushing. So, I mean, he's he's those are decent numbers, I guess. Well, passing, no, it's not. Sorry, that's those aren't even decent. Um, and and a little surprising, he's only got 331 yards uh, on the ground so far this year. But again, that is limited time because he for the last number of games he's been splitting times with uh, with uh, this other Gunnell dude but it'll be interesting to see because I, I you're, you're gonna see you're gonna see Tate and he does have that home run ability so you're gonna have to do a similar game plan to what you just did with DTR blitz him from from deep in the secondary and, and go get him but 
you're you're going to have to have maybe a spy and somebody that your your defensive ends are going to have to continue to contain so you don't allow those big gaping holes for him to to step through and and kill you on third down which is what UCLA did really well against this defense um and and offensively you know Arizona's really not that bad of a team they're they're right in the middle of the pack um offensively both in the pass game both in the run game they're putting up yardage, and they're actually putting up points. They're averaging 30 points a game, yeah, so it's and, not like this is a, a, a bad offense. And I was going to say, for their yardage, they're right there with Utah. Utah's averaging 445. Arizona's at 442. Yeah, I mean, so they can put points up. But again, you look at their record. They're 2-5 and five in conference with their only wins coming against really bad teams. Is They can score points, but man, oh man, they give it up with the best of them on the defensive side, which is why they fire the defensive coordinator, and things have not gotten any better for them. Right now, right now they're giving up 480 yards a game defensively. Wolf. That is on average. That's not just a bad game. That's their average. So here's, here's how I want it to happen utah goes in dominates the first half is up by like 30 points and sit huntley and moss and get him ready for the next game (laughs) well i'll tell you i I mean zach moss tyler huntley these guys should just feast upon this defense because there really is not much of a defense out there i mean three they're giving up 315 yards on average through the air and 164 on the ground. I mean, which is worse? I think. Well, I mean, that's a recipe for success. I mean, I mean, if two guys are having the years they are, I mean, they could both walk out of there with. I mean, Huntley could walk out with 300 plus passing, and and Moss should walk out with 150 plus on the ground. I'll be a little disappointed. I'll be honest. If if we don't put a thousand yards of offense up <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, we better not see our punter. I, the spread was is about twenty four points, twenty two, twenty four, depending on where you're looking. I know in 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 the past this season, I've kind of have tried to stay away from those. For some reason, this UCLA game just I have a different tune. I want Utah to win by more than twenty five points. Did you say in this. tune? But that being said, it is a, a Pac twelve game. It could be Pac-12 after dark. Like I said, Arizona's fighting for a bowl game. Well, yes, all those things exist, right? And and historically, this would be a game that I would be, I'd have a pit in my stomach here on a Monday night waiting for this game. But this team, I just do not see us going into a, a hapless Arizona team who they've got a number of injuries themselves. So... They're not going to be at full strength, and even at full strength, I'm not sure we need to be all that concerned about them. Yes, can anything happen in college football? Anything can happen if you know anybody can can really beat anybody on any given Saturday. But I'm just not worried about it this year. I'm not worried about us crapping the bed. I definitely agree, Scott. And I think I think crazy like. Everyone has to get injured. Oh, type thing has to happen. Shut your mouth. For that to happen. Shut your mouth right now. Someone no. gets injured this week. It's all on Cameron. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get overconfident, too, right? I mean, obviously, uh, 
I think I think we take them to the woodshed. I think we lock them in Mike Leach's shed, <laughs> and we throw away the key, and throw cactuses in there on them. I, this is over. This game is over. Uh, Utah definitely needs some style points uh, again this week with the playoffs looming. All right, so it looks like we have Bryant on the phone. Let's hurry and bring him in. All right, joining us on the phone now is Brian Conger from Wildcat Radio and 12-Pack Radio. Brian, thanks for jumping on, buddy. Hey, guys. I am always excited to be on the Utah Man podcast, and I just poured a giant, giant glass of Rogue Red. So this is this podcast is brought to you by a healthy amount of wine and a big love for Utah football. You guys are awesome this year. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So, I mean, yes, Utah is rolling. They're having a great season. Uh, as we look, as Utah fans across the field there with Arizona. They're on a five-game losing streak. Bryant, what the heck is going on with the Wildcats? Oh, it has been a really disappointing season because I think a number of things on paper lined up, right? You had Khalil Tate coming back, and yeah, he had a bad year last year, but this year he's healthy, and he has, you know, he has another year in the system, and he's become more mature, and we have a lot of returning starters on the defense, and there's some cohesion here, even though the, the defensive coordinator wasn't great. And I mean, the wheels are coming off. I, I was just I came out of uh, a game. We went all the way up to Eugene to watch Arizona just get its head handed to them by Oregon. Now, Oregon is a good team, but I think there's a couple issues here with Arizona. The first is Khalil Tate has not progressed. And by the way, he's going to start against Utah. If he doesn't, he's going to play a lot of a time against Utah. This is his last game. It's senior night and all that stuff. And uh, he has not progressed as a quarterback and he is running it, Think, think of 2017, right? Khalil Tate would run north-south. Bang, he was gone. You know, 50-yard run, it was gone. Nobody's going to catch him. This year, he's running east-west um, and not putting himself into danger, not willing to take the hits. And he's making bad mistakes. He's not making his reads right off of the bat. He makes that first read, and the second one, he's running, he's running out of bounds, or he's throwing the ball away. And that just is brutal for an offense that really needs to be able to move because the defense isn't good either. <laughs> so it's kind of like you're getting squeezed from both ends as an Arizona fan, a, a defense that um, didn't get it put together because the coaching staff uh, was not good enough. Uh, Marcel Yates, Arizona's defense uh, defensive coordinator, has been uh, fired along with the linebacking coach. And uh, Chuck Cecil is now in place. And um, anyway, th- there's just been a lot of issues for Arizona football right now. You're definitely getting there. Oftentimes, like those Utah Arizona matchups for years were great, but now uh, I think you got us at probably the best possible time in the history of the program. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you bring up Tate kind of running, you know, north and south, and not really getting himself in position to make plays. Is that something that the coaching staff has kind of instilled in him to try to be more of that pocket passer, or is that do you think that's something that Tate just has done with his game? I think if you take a look at and a lot of Arizona fans will point to the coaches, coaches, you know, oh, you're not putting Tate in a position to succeed. I would say that there's a percentage of that criticism. That's correct. I would also take a look and challenge people to take a look at some of the coaching uh, performances that this staff has had with other dual threat quarterbacks. Uh, Brent Huntley out of uh, out of UCLA, obviously Johnny Manziel. I mean, these were dual threat quarterbacks that Noel Mazzoni and Kevin Sumlin was was able to make into stars and get to the NFL. You know, Tate had uh, certainly had the athleticism and had shown some flashes of being able to throw the ball. Um, so I would I would put a lot of it on Tate. It just seemed like that 
that year after 2017, when he just exploded and was the most electrifying man in sports entertainment outside of the rock. Um, it, the, the problem was he really wanted to throw and show that he was a pocket passer and that didn't work. Then he got hurt and then he comes back and he runs a little bit, but still isn't hundred percent, you know, committed to it. So I, I, I would put a lot of this on Tate and about 30% of it on the coaching staff. So Brian, so kind of along those lines then, uh, you know, Tate's obviously going to be, be gone, but the, the product, you know, revolves around someone and his coaching staff. Is he, is he on the hot seat or do they give him time to bring in more of his guys? So, uh, it, I think it depends on who you ask, right? <laughs> I think if you ask any Arizona fan, all five of us right now, um, he is <laughs> yeah, no. all five of you. <laughs> it's funny cause it's true. Um, <laughs> now if you were to ask most Arizona fans right now, I think there's a lot of frustration towards Kevin Sumlin. Um, one of the things that was a big draw for him coming to Arizona was his ability to recruit. And this last year, he brought in a better class than Rich Rodriguez, a bigger class than Rich Rodriguez has brought in, but certainly not one that blew the doors off of Arizona and just showed that we were headed in a different direction. That has not continued into this year as well in terms of like being able to increase the recruiting level. So I think that is a check against him. One of the things that you have to consider, though, is that what Kevin Sumlin was left with under Rich Rodriguez was pretty bad. Khalil Tate covered up a lot of flaws for Arizona in 2017. We had a small offensive line, a small defensive line, no no depth in the in the defensive side. The offensive side, we had a bunch of five ten, you know, wide receivers, and you know. Like I love Britton Covey. He's great. Um, but if you have seven Britton Coveys as your offense, usually not a great sign. Right? <laughs> you need to have some size uh, that can go out and go go up and climb the ladder and catch pass. And uh, so I think I think a lot of this has been an empty cupboard. But there have been a lot of coaching mistakes. And I think uh, just an undisciplined team, a lot of penalties. And I think he has, I think someone has two years max and he's really going to need to make a defensive coordinator hire. That's going to fill in and cover up for just a, not a historically bad Arizona defense, but a very consistently terrible Arizona defense over the last four years. And, and you, you bring that defense up and, and obviously uh, what you said at the beginning of how, how, uh, someone uh, released Marshall Yates from the defensive coordinating position. How's the defense improved since Yates been let go? So I think the jury's still out. So Chuck Cecil steps in. He was a long time uh, uh, quality control guy at Arizona. He's a walk on a, lo- a long time ago. One of the more famous Arizona defensive players in the country ended up playing the NFL. So he he is filled in, and the first game he had was against Oregon State. Good luck. Like, that is a good <laughs> offense. And I know you guys handled him, which is why I'm big on Utah this year, but, like, that is a legit offense. And they dropped, like, a 55-burger on Arizona, and that was kind of expected, right? He had a week to prepare. You know, the, the coaching staff leaves and all that stuff. He has to put the pieces together. The next game they had was against Oregon. <laughs> Again, Oregon. Uh, I actually thought they did a better job against Oregon. They were able to get to the quarterback a little bit. Uh, Arizona had seven tackles for a loss against a really solid and experienced offensive line uh, over there in, in Eugene. And I, I'm using air quotes. We only allowed 34 points. But to be frank, like if you were to, to have told me, hey, Arizona's going to allow 34 points on the road at Oregon, I'd be like, I take that and we'll find out if we can score enough points. Well, we scored six. <laughs> so like, you know, that wasn't super helpful. But uh, I, I'm curious to see what Arizona does against Utah because you guys, uh, the Andy Ludwig hire 
uh, at your OC. Um, I, I think some Oregon fans, in fact, I know Oregon fans got really um, snippety about that because they didn't like him as the coordinator. But if you take a look at his track record over time, even at Vanderbilt, that guy puts up mad explosive plays. And I love what Tyler Hundley has been doing uh, for your program. And obviously you have Zach Moss, but the last time I was on your podcast, my big thing was like, please, for the love of God, throw this football. Because if you can do that, Utah's going to make the leap. And you've done that this year. So I don't know if Arizona is going to be able to stop the explosive play calling of this offensive staff. And that could really be a problem for uh, fans in Tucson. So it's talking about, speaking of the game Saturday, then what obviously most people expect Utah to, to win this fairly easily, I think, but it, you know, that's why they play the game. You never know It's college football and it's pac 12 after dark for that matter. But uh, <laughs> what, what's Arizona going to have to do to, to hang with Utah? So we just talked about this on 12 pack radio. Um, th- this was one of the first games we talked, by the way, we, we really do like Utah and I, we try to cover them first because I think half of our fans are Utah fans. <laughs> so we want to make sure to, to give a little bit of love, you know, to our friends in Salt Lake city and all across the country. Um, but we, we legitimately think that Utah is a team that can go to the playoff. I think on your podcast, when I first jumped on, I, I had Utah being, um, at least, at least playing in the PAC 12 championship. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff going for them this year. Your defensive line is great. Your secondary is really good. The offense is moving. And if Arizona is going to be competitive in this game, I think there's going to have to be some some turnovers. And I think you're going to have to have a healthy dose of Khalil Tate doing stuff that he hasn't done for the last two years, which is run North and South. And if I'm a Utah fan, that's the one thing I'm going to be afraid of. And I'm going to keep a lookout for because if Arizona runs the offense that we normally run, um, which is a lot of three and outs and inefficient offense, not moving the ball a ton, bad reads, uh, Arizona is going to lose by 40. If Khalil Tate can can get on that ground and get those eight yard, you know, those really frustrating plays where your defensive line has the pressure and the linebackers are in place and Oh dang it. (laughs) The quarterback ran for 12 yards on third and two, you know, like there's going to be, we're going to need a lot of those plays for Arizona to win. So if you guys can contain Khalil Tate on the ground, I think you're going to win handily. The spread's 22 and a half, I think. And I'm, I'm definitely taking Utah on this game just because I think you're going to put up a lot of points. So, Brian, with this game coming up, obviously Arizona, they have two games left, trying to get bowl eligible. How much do you think that kind of plays into this team's mind going into a, a senior night game for them and then, you know, two win, two must games that they have to win to get bowl eligible? Yeah, I mean, that, that would go through any team's mind. You know, we got to win this game. we got to go. The problem is, uh, and, and Rob made a really good point, so... On our on our twelve pack radio podcast, we have two three guys: myself, uh, Max Meyer, who is the the editor for Sports Illustrated Gambling, and he really knows the Pac twelve, and a guy named Rob Bowen, who does this really excellent advanced statistical model uh, called BetaRank, and he really knows the Pac twelve. And this last week, we kind of decided, you know, when do you start needing to look at Utah like an elite team? nationally right not not just oh they're the pack they could be the pac 12 champions they're a good game or whatever um when can they be um when do we need to look at them like we were looking at an sec team coming into tucson right what would that spread be if auburn came to town um and i think i think Utah's there this year you just have 
talent all across the board. And so I don't I don't know if it matters how motivated Arizona is against Utah. It's just is the talent there because your coaching staff is good. You're not going to make mistakes. You're not going to be undisciplined. That one game, I, I got a question for you. Uh, what on earth happened at USC? That was the most undisciplined team I've seen <laughs> in like 10 years of watching Utah football. And it was only for one game right after that, like all the penalties went away. But what happened there? Honestly, I think it was just kind of the perfect storm, right? They weren't really tested in non-conference. They kind of, you know, kind of had a weaker non-conference going into there, a short week uh, traveling to USC, and then Zach Moss getting injured. But honestly, I just think, I, I just think to what you said, they just weren't really focused going into that game. And uh, honestly, I think if you can if a program can take any loss and turn it into a positive, it, it's a great thing. And I think that's what Utah has done since then is because that game happened and they realized how close they are to losing their goals they want to achieve. And, and so oh, it's kind of been a blessing almost in disguise losing that first game so early in the season. It was so uncharacteristic of Utah. I watched that entire game. We, we try to watch every game on the show, right? So, so so one of us has at least watched every game. I have never seen a Utah team play like this. They're not going to play like that in Tucson. Like, they're going to be disciplined. They're not going to make mistakes. Huntley, it was, he have like four interceptions this year or something. So it really is going to come down to, can, can Arizona pull out some wrinkles that nobody else has seen? And can Utah adjust to them? And I just, I just trust, I trust, like, you know, I'm 100% all in on Utah's ability to take care of business and get to that title game. And, and Utah against Oregon. Whoo, buddy, that's a great, <laughs> that's a really, really good game. Um, what, what, like, what would you be afraid of with Arizona right now? I mean, like, to, to be honest, what, what stands out in, in Tucson? We were like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, in my mind, it's a couple of things. It's it's what we you talked about just a minute ago with Tate. If he uh, remembers who he is and, and, and goes off, that, that could be a problem. And the other thing is the mindset of of Utah going into a game where they, you know, where they where they think they sh- should win, and maybe they don't have to play as hard. I, they're just these are still eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old kids, and that stuff happens. So you have these this wide receiving core. I've always been hesitant on Utah's uh, wide receivers. I, like you've always had like one or two, but I think this year, along with your quarterback just been able to move the ball. And of course the tight ends have been able, that's kind of been a, like a staple Andy Ludwig thing, right? Right. Throw the tight ends. And I throw a party every time there's a tight end long pass. Cause I think they're cheat codes, right? And coaches and college are just too stubborn to use. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that guy's going to run over your five, six linebacker. Um, I, I really like this. Brian, is it Brian Thompson? Is, is that the kid? Uh, yes. Brian. Yep. Yeah. That, what, what's his story? Where did he come from? Because I really like him. I think he's going to be, uh, he's going to be a player for you guys for a while. He, he he's going to ball out when he gets a little older. Yeah, I the thing is, I think was so impressive with Thompson is he's kind of a, a younger a kid on the team, and I don't think a lot of people expected him to kind of step up and kind of take that almost deep threat role uh, for Utah. But to your point with the whole wide receiving core, it's it's been a, a really surprise, I think, for all Utah fans. Uh, obviously Utah doesn't have like a number one wide receiver that's just going to dominate a game. It's going to be always done by committee. Uh, and Brent, you and I have talked about this numerous times, how Utah just wasn't ever known, at least in the Pac-12 era, for really having good wide receivers and really wide receiver play. 
but it, it's changing. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with what Ludwig is running and the, and heck having a quarterback like Huntley, it, it helps making your guys look a little bit better. Yeah. When somebody says, Oh, wide receiver by committee, I almost roll my eyes, but, it, but it works in Utah this particular year. Like you're, you're right. They're going to throw to Simpkins. They're going to throw to, to, uh, um, your, your, what's that title? How do you say, is it country? I can never pronounce Keithy. that guy's name. He's uh, awesome. Keithy. By the way. Keithy. Keithy, I like him a lot. He's really good. Um, they're they're going to throw it around. And by the way, you're doing this all uh, without like the monster, the mighty mouse monster, like of the world. <laughs> like, I, 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 he's so good. Um, and, you know, he's out. I just kind of thought, well, you know, we'll see what happens. And and that team's really stepped it up. You know, one question I really have for you is the offensive line. I think, you know, Cam, I think you had asked what, how, or, or uh, like. What has Arizona's defense done better since Yates is gone? And I do think that they're going to be able to put some pressure on um, most teams. And if I were to look at Utah across the board, the one area that I haven't taken, you know, I'm not doing film study of of your offensive line. So I'm curious, like, how are they in pass protection? Obviously, you're going to be able to run the ball (laughs) like you've always been able to run the ball. But, you know, if Arizona starts pressuring um, and throw in a couple extra bodies there at Huntley and try to get him off of his game. How has the offensive line been at at you know keeping that contained with other teams? I think the the offensive line really has been up and down for Utah, especially in the passing game. Um, obviously, the, the rushing game they're they're very good, and and Zach Moss has had a phenomenal year, and a lot of credit of that needs to go to the offensive line. Their pass block, however, has been I think their their weaker point uh we saw that against washington uh washington came out and just really just punched utah in the face and i think they had three sacks in the first quarter uh and would have forced utah to kind of make some shuffling move some guys around i think if arizona does want to be able to compete with utah kind of make this game closer i think you're spot on i think honestly they're gonna have to dominate the offensive line of utah and make tyler huntley very uncomfortable yeah, Arizona is pretty effective when they rush their linebackers. So we got these two guys. Colin Schooler is a player to look out for. He's awesome. He's the guy that has the flowing, you know, lion mane you know, that's going to fly all over the place. He's running around with his hair on fire. Um, he's excellent. Uh, by far the best player on our defense. And then you got a guy named Tony Fields who's this undersized linebacker. But when those guys go... Um, it, oftentimes, the, if they're not sacking somebody, they are at least pressuring those quarterbacks. So I'm curious to see if Ludwig is able to get some quick slants and some curls to kind of make up for that, to put Arizona on their toes. Like, all right, you're going to do that? with a, Like, here's five yards, here's five yards, here's five yards until you stop doing this. Um, so, so that would be kind of like a little chess match to, keep, match to keep a lookout for. Another item to keep a lookout for is Arizona's corners are decent. They're not that great. In fact, we have this freshman named Christian Roland Wallace. He got an offer from USC and um, pretty good athlete. He got torched twice <laughs> against Oregon uh, when he was out there. But Jace Whitaker uh, is somebody to keep a lookout for. He's a pretty good corner. And, and the safeties have been the issue where they're just kind of seem like they're running around not knowing where they're supposed to be. Um, so, you know, if we can lock down one guy, I think can like what you mentioned was the wide receiver by committee. You're going to have a couple other options there that will be able to move the ball forward. Awesome. Brian, hey, thank you so much for, for taking time out of your busy day. I mean, you're running two shows yourself, and then for you to jump on with us, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, but I can't let you go without you talking you know, ab- about 12-Pack Radio. You guys do a, a great job. I'm a big fan of the, the beta ranking you guys do, 
And I noticed today you guys even had a little Utah, Oregon preview for that. Uh, so why don't, why don't you just kind of give a little shout out what you guys are doing over there? Yeah, so we record weekly. Um, and you can find the podcast, by the way, on any podcast catcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, you name it, we're there. Uh, you can follow us at 12-Pack Radio. But I think there's a couple of things we do that's a little bit different. The first is I started the podcast because I was an Arizona fan. And what I noticed was was nobody watched anybody outside the Pac-12. So anytime Arizona would play somebody, all our fans would be like, oh, we'll win this game by 10. I'm like, have you seen Utah? Utah's great this year. <laughs> like Utah's defense is awesome. Or, you know, you name the team. And I was like, you know, we're watching all these games anyway. So we try to record in a way where we're we're previewing the previous week. And then we're, I'm sorry, we're reviewing the previous week and then previewing the coming week. And we just have those three different perspectives where like, I'm watching a lot of games and I just like, I love this conference. It's a great conference. Like I have a picture, like a Crayola drawing of uh, Mitch Wisnowski. Like that guy was so like, you know, like the fact that I I was all in on a punter is, is pretty exciting. Um, So we like to cover the podcast from kind of some quirky angles, but Max Meyer uh, just has a really good feel for the the PAC 12 and he identifies stuff. So if you're a gambler, um, he knows when the buys are, he knows when a look ahead spot is, he knows when, you know, the quarterback's been hurt, but he comes back, but he's not good against this team. The uh, wise beyond his years when it comes to gambling, but the numbers are really what's pretty exciting. And I, I really got bought into Rob's model beta rank when I started asking him questions about each individual. Well, why is C scoring a ton of points? But when I watch the game, I'm like tearing my eyeballs out because the offense is bad. He's like, oh, well, that's because they're not efficient. In fact, if you look at this thing and this thing and this thing, and like he, he just has a very holistic view of the conference and um, and he'll ride or die with the numbers. And sometimes they're wrong, but mostly they're they're really, really accurate. Um, so, yeah, he, he did a really fun thing where he just put out all of the statistics and the data and graphs um, for a hypothetical matchup between Utah and Oregon, uh, which is fun to watch, right? Because that's probably going to be the, the Pac-12 championship. So anyway, we, we record weekly and I think we have a really good conversation on the conference and um, we do try to focus on the teams that are winning. <laughs> so the teams that are winning and the teams that are weird. Um, so like we've we've talked a lot about Oregon State because their offense is so fun and their defense is a disaster. Um and then if you flip that around with Cal, Cal's defense was pretty good for the beginning of the year and their offense was a mess. So it's kind of fun to like, tee hee hee, like laugh at the d- discrepancies there. Um, yeah, check us out. If you like us, uh, we would love to have you on. We take questions and um, I think it's a good show. Yeah, I'm a definitely I'm a big fan. I know that's where I always go to kind of keep up with what's going on in the in the Pac-12. But Brian, hey, thanks again for for jumping on, buddy. And we'll be in touch. Oh, hey, hey, one more thing. Yeah. Sorry. Um because you guys would appreciate this as Utah fans. So special teams. Um, if you would like to laugh a lot, um, watch Arizona special teams. It is <laughs> a clown shit. Like you are going to have like 60 extra yards because <laughs> the puncher is going to shank it 16 yards into the stands. We're going to miss a field goal and you're going to get like a, you know, a return punt for 35 yards where, I mean, it is, it is like for, I know your fan base, like you guys love special teams. Like this is the exact opposite. <laughs> so just appreciate that when you watch it. Well, this could be spectacular because our punter tried to run for a, for a first down and, and didn't come close to it last week. So <laughs> on their like own 12 yard line. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, Hey, I, 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 you guys do great stuff at Utah, man. And, uh, and, uh, always been a listener. In fact, for years and we've been following you guys and really dig your work. So thanks for, thanks for partying. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. Uh, a big thank you to Brian uh, for jumping on and kind of give us a, an update with the Arizona Wildcats. Again, check them out at 
Wildcat Radio and 12-Pack Radio on your favorite podcatcher. And getting into our Pac-12 Pick'em game, uh, last week, Ryan and Scott, you both cheated and went 5-0, and and I went 5-0. and Cheated? I went 4-1, and excuse me, dang you, ASU. So on the season, uh, I'm 28 and 16. Ryan, you're 27 and 17, and Scott's cheating at 29 and 15. <laughs> All right, let's quickly look at the games uh, that happened. As we mentioned, Oregon beats Arizona 34 to six. Just another dominating performance by the Ducks. Uh, Wa- Washington State beats Stanford 49 to 22. Coach Shaw maybe has maybe lost a little something there. Uh, obviously the season's kind of done for them. Uh, what did you see? I mean, their freshman quarterback threw for 400 some odd yards, set a school record and they still lost. And they only scored 22 points, which is <laughs> kind of crazy. And, uh, but Washington State's, uh, Anthony Gordon did throw for 520 yards, uh, and five TDs. Uh, Oregon State barely gets the one point win over ASU 35 to 34. There's two teams right there at ASU and Oregon, both 5-5 five and five on the year, that are looking um, to become bowl eligible. And really, the the league needs it. The more teams that can get into bowls, uh, much better for the league. And then the last game, USC just destroys Cal 41-17. to Slovis had a heck of a game. He goes 29 of 35, 406 with four touchdowns. It's really going to be interesting what happens with USC uh, when JT Daniels comes back. I don't think he's coming back. I don't think they're going to unseat this freshman in Slovis. Now, granted, most likely there's going to be a new head coach next year. So depending on who the hire is, what type of system are they going to be running, that could that could change things. But if Helton, for some miraculous reason, is brought back next year, which we all would applaud, by the way, USC, then... I don't I don't think Slovis is getting unseated from that spot. All right, as we get into this week's games, I do have to give a shout out to Miss Amy Nelson on Twitter. I will not be calling any team garbage cuz I every week I call every team garbage. So, Amy, I'm not going to be doing it this week. Now, I did not give I did not promise to that. <laughs> the first game we're looking at is UCLA at USC. USC is a 13 and a half point favorite as we're recording this. We just saw UCLA. I I think the Trojans get that rivalry win. So I'll go fight on. Scott? Yeah, at this point, uh, seeing what UCLA is and uh, having just destroyed them, I don't see I don't see the Bruins getting it done. So I'm going to go with the garbage of those dirty, dirty Trojans. The Utah effect is going to be in full effect this weekend for UCLA and I think USC is going to win in a blowout. And the next game we're looking at, Cal's traveling to Stanford's. The Trees are a three-point favorite right now. I'm going to go against the favorites. I, I think Cal beats the Trees. I got Cal. Scott? Ooh, well now we got two garbage teams to talk about. Which one stinks worse? Um, which one's been left out in the sun a little longer? I'm going to go with the Trees, and I think they win by a score of 3 to nothing. Right. I was bummed when Garber got hurt again because they, uh, they were hanging with USC. Um, yeah, I think I'll go with Cal on that one. 
And then Oregon takes on ASU. ASU hasn't won since before they played Utah. Utah really broke that team. And Oregon is just chumming along. But it's only a 14-point spread. I think that's a little low. I think Oregon kind of blows that out. But I'll, I'll go with the Ducks. Scott? Yeah, I got the Ducks on this. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to come down to the rivalry game, ASU-Arizona, for, for ASU to get bowl eligible. How <laughs> funny is that? Oh, the, the, the snowflakes from ASU. I will go with Oregon, obviously. Obviously, we want Oregon to keep winning, so it uh, elevates our chances of the college football playoffs when we beat them. And then the Beavers of Oregon State are going to Pullman to play the Cougars. Washington State's a 12.5-point favorite as we're recording this. I really like what Oregon State's doing uh, offensively. I think they're really building something, and there's a lot of rumors about a certain quarterback visiting there that's looking to transfer but he's not there yet so because of that i'll take the cougars yeah oregon state man they i I don't think they're there yet and as many points as washington state puts up i i I got the cougs in this one i will go with washington state as well then the huskies are going to boulder to play i'm sorry amy but the garbage colorado buffs i oh you couldn't even do it for one segment i couldn't do it washington's a 14 and a half point favorite the Huskies will be running all over the Buffaloes. I got Washington, Scott. Oh, I'm going to go with Cam on this. this. A lot of these are just pretty pretty easy games, I think, to pick. Um, yeah, I, I think Washington wins big. Yeah, not Ryan, even, take the buffs. No, <laughs> not a chance I'm taking the buffs. Washington, big. And then the last game, we do the pick and the score. Utah's traveling down to Arizona to face the Wildcats. Utah is a 23-point favorite. I have Utah winning, and I think they more than cover. I have Utah 40, Arizona 10. Scott? Oh, yeah, this will be this will be a beat down. I think uh, I, I'm going to go with the score of 48 to 17, Utes. Utes win big, and I mean like Zach Moss, thigh big. Right. Utah big 45 to 13. Well, we're all just kind of writing that uh, little little cuddle box. So that will do it for this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? When I'm not on my uh, pottery wheel, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. You can always subscribe to us on anywhere you listen to a podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're there. And hopefully Utah gets a much-needed style point win against Arizona to help their playoff chances. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.